the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here. Good to be with you today. Beautiful day outside in between the rain. If you get a chance to go outside and check it out in between storms, give you a little break from all of the different things going on here in Southern California. My unreliable weather app uh, had predicted a lot more storms, but uh, I guess we're not getting that uh, like it said, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, I hope you're having a great day. I got a question for you. What is your inner life like? And what I mean is your thought life, the things that you think about. What do you think about when you're just by yourself, when you talk to yourself uh, hopefully not doing that out loud, but some people do that out loud. And, and, you know, for some of you, that's just how you process things. For others of you, you know, you need some help. But what kinds of things go through your mind? I was curious about this because sometimes people today do share their thoughts out loud. And uh, particularly on social media, this is Emily Zuge, who is a very, very popular uh, influencer on social media. She had these thoughts the other day. I broke my brain today by thinking too hard about something. Giraffes, zebras, squirrels, elephants. What do they have in common? We call them names that we've made for them. Do you follow? Humans love to come up with names for things, but if humans didn't exist, a zebra wouldn't be a zebra. A squirrel would not be a squirrel. They're just animals, which is another name we came up with. Do you understand what I'm saying? That can apply to anything. Trees, different types of trees, rocks, water, like they're nothing. You know what I'm saying? You know what I thought was interesting about that? And uh, she's kind of making a joke and, and being kind of silly. But, you know, uh, who who does name the squirrels and the giraffes and uh, people like that? Uh, Adam names those. You know, he's the one who was told to name the animals, and he did. And uh, you, when we find a new species today of some kind, who names it? Do we go to the whales and say, what is this thing? Oh, can you tell us? No, uh, Adam's still naming the animals. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, in her thought life, she's processing this remarkable thing that animals have names, and the they only have names because people gave them that name. And she's not really that far away from understanding the idea that, you know, if I think about this further, where does that come from? Oh, God created them and gave the responsibility to name them to people. And, um, you know, I think about that with people like that, and I think this is this is a good thought life. This is the type of thought life that actually I think people uh, come to a better understanding about God. But for a lot of us, that thought life, we have it from time to time, but we also have a different set of inner thoughts, and it is a burden for so many of us, isn't it? So many of us, we have this internal conversation. I always tell the people, if you're people, that if you are having, you know, made up conversations with somebody and you're having a made up argument with somebody, you probably need to talk to that person. You're, you know, you're upset with that person for something. You got to go work it out. There are lots of conversations that we have though, that are leading us into temptation or they're part of our struggle. And the thing is about so much of our inner, inner conversation, our inner self is that it's very private 
most people don't know about it. If you're married, your spouse doesn't know much about it. And it is something that is very, very important to think about and to kind of get your arms around. And uh, with me to talk about this is Steve Arterburn. And uh, Steve Arterburn is the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries. And uh, you probably heard him on the station. He also has a new book out. It's called Every Believer's Thought Life. And uh, I thought we'd talk about this together. Uh, Steve, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Always love being on and uh, appreciate the audience. And uh, I think I've got a good book for anybody that struggles with thought life problems. You know, we all have this inner voice, right? And it can be something that helps build up our our confidence in the Lord and focus us in the right ways. But it's also something that we battle with, isn't it? It is. And everybody's got a different thought life problem. You know, we in Every Man's Battle talk about lust and things, but there are so many people that their thought life is, it just is eaten up by worry and mm. uh, projecting things that could go wrong. And uh, for other people, it's shame. They just feel so much shame. And then others, revenge and what am I going to do? And you know, in the book, we, we talk about some strategies on the surface that we can do, some practical things, and we also talk about uh, going deeper and resolving some things if it's a repeated problem. But one of the things that we talk about is that if you are uh, always grumbling, like you were talking about, you got this internal dialogue. Right. Well, you do need to talk to that person, but you can turn that into an opportunity to do what God wants to do. God wants you to pray without ceasing. He wants to be in constant uh, contact with you. And so you can go from, oh, my goodness, I just can't believe that person did that, to, Lord, you know that I am still upset Mm. about what happened. And I would like to choose my focus to be on you, not on the way I was treated, I pray for good for this person. And so now all of a sudden I'm praying and I'm not thinking bad, horrible things about the other person. It's just one of the strategies that we have in the book, uh, but there are many, many more. Why do our thoughts matter so much? You know, what is it that I, I don't know how how often we really think about this, about the fact that we are having conversations with ourselves and it drives us a certain way. Why does this matter so much for us to uh, understand? Well, you know, the Bible says that what we sin or how we sin or the evil stuff, it comes from within. We don't Mm. uh, have to worry about the source. It's down in there. And so if I'm going to have a pure life focused on things that are good and worthy and noble, all of this, I've got to clean up my thought life because it determines uh, our attitudes, determines what I'm feeling, and also the actions that take. Some people, their thought life causes them to make life worse day after day. And I believe you can do some things uh, so that you're victorious, and the thought life becomes a source of joy and replenishing of your soul rather than draining your soul every day. Yeah, I think I think this is so important for for all of us. Many of us have you mentioned how people's thought life just can continue to make things worse and worse. You can get a a destructive thought pattern, you know, I'm not loved or I'm not good enough or nobody likes me or those kinds of things. 
and you tell yourself this, even though it's it's not true, and, and even though if there are, there might be things that you can do to to look forward and improve relationships on your part, but you are you're loved, right? And so, you know, how do we take our ca- our thoughts captive? It's one thing to say cast your anxieties on the Lord and you know take your thoughts captive, but what are some yeah. steps? You know, how do we make that practical for people? Well, in the book, we um, refer to this old theologian, and his uh, last name was Chalmers, and he, Thomas Chalmers, he died in 1847. And people used to have really great titles for sermons. Listen to this one, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Now, I love that. And so, the, the Expulsive Power of a New Affection. He's saying, if you want your thought life to be better, you can't just stop the crummy stuff, you have to de- develop a new affection or a higher pleasure or joy. Uh, that's that's the key. A lot of times we just think, oh, i got to quit thinking about that. But like this morning, I started, because I think you have to start with God's Word in the morning and a God thought to carry with you throughout the day. So here was my, in my meditation, I said, uh, God before me, God with me and others before me. And so that was my focus. So I chose a superior pleasure for Mm -hmm. today, and that was to put God first, others first, not letting myself wander down some path of resentment, bitterness, or lust, or anything like that. And so every time my thought life kind of veered off, I went right back to what we say is my God thought, and there's there's really, I mean, this thought of God before me and God with me, it, it's just one of the most powerful tools that I have to keep me focused. When I'm tempted for something, I can say, hey, remember now, we started the day, God before me. So I'm not going to do something that pleases me or or I think is good for me, I want to be sure it keeps me connected with God. And when I do that, when I'm more interested in my connection with God than I am with anything about myself, then I've got a really good chance of staying clean and pure in my thought life. You are listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Steve Arterburn, the author of the new book, Every Believer's Thought Life. And, uh, you know, as we talk about our, our thought life, you said something, I think, there that I want people to really pay attention to the idea that you don't just stop thinking about something. You have to replace it with something else, something positive, right? You can't, you're not called to just go off into, uh, you know, the people who want meditation, you're supposed to go off into nothingness and think nothing, (laughs) right? No. And well, and there's so many examples, like somebody has a drinking problem. And if I talk to somebody who had a drinking problem, they'd say, Hey, listen, I can stop this. I can quit anytime. I would say to them, well, so, <laughs> right. obviously, you have a problem, and it's not, quitting has nothing to do with anything, other than it allows you now to start to grow and develop character that has been put on hold while you were drinking. I, You know, we can all do things for a while, but the question is, is stopping the goal of your life, or is growing? Mm the the ultimate outcome and i believe everybody needs a growth program and stopping is just a really 
a horrible goal <laughs> in life if that's all you're doing. Right. And that's true for, for anything. You might be a thief, and it's not just that you need to stop stealing things when you go to the Walmart. You have to become a giver, right? You, right. That's how you beat that problem. There, you know, there are people who just have that problem. They can't go somewhere and not steal. And yeah. there's something going on in their brain. They've got to switch that into something that is positive. And I think, you know, as you were saying this, you know, for Christians, it's not just doing something positive. It's having a something better in our line of sight that we're living for. Right. And the way we stay stuck in stuff, two things that are really powerful. Rationalize, like, well, it's not that bad. You know, I could take this and I can walk out. Nobody's going to be hurt. And then projection. Well, the reason I do this is because mom was so, I never got over mommy. You know, she was so angry. And so we have to give those things up and start to see. And here's the real key about maturity. Quit doing things that feel good and start doing things that make you feel good about yourself. And when I make the goal feeling good about myself, I'm going to eliminate a lot of things that bring instant gratification. And my life is going to be better by the choices that I make. You know, a lot of people in their thought life, they're dealing with with shame and and the world is is giving them a a contrary message saying that well what you're you know they might be dealing with shame over something they're viewing on the internet or something that they've done particularly sexual things or things like that the world is trying to tell them that you shouldn't feel shameful over that and change your thoughts that way but for, yeah, for, and, for the believer and, and, there's, and, there's and, a better way right. well the bible says you know you're going to be friends with the world if and you're not going to be friends with god so right. we just need to know that was written quite a few thousand years ago. So, um, you know, it's not nothing new that the world is different than our spiritual life and our connection with God. And so uh, here's, a, here's a thought. I, my, my counselor and my mentor asked me the other day, he said, so how are you doing with the fear of man? Well, he had never asked me that before. But isn't that a powerful question? And because we're either going to fear man or we're going to fear God. Right. And sometimes just recognizing that I am caught up in the fear of what other people think or the fear of what others might do to me versus fearing the Lord, honoring God. When I, I maybe if I just identify that, it helps. Then when I go share that with somebody, it takes so much of the power out of it. I don't have to be stuck in that thought pattern. I can change that today, instantly. Yeah, you know, fear is, it is, I think it's overwhelming for people today. I think we don't know what to do with it. And that's so much of what's going on in our heads. You know, whether it's the the COVID or it's the economy or if it's the politics or it's the just things that are so often irrational. I mean, there are things, you know, you should be right. concerned about, right? Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't after you, as the yeah. joke goes. But most of the time, those fears are either just completely misplaced and not even real, or but they, they hinder us so much. Yes, and um, one of the realities of people my age, um, some, you know, that are listening to this, they weren't born then. But 9-11 changed a lot mm. and gave us a reason to be afraid. It, it, there, were, there was something horrible that happened on our, you know, in our country that had never happened before. Yeah. And people were scared.
scared to death what's going to happen next. So we had that happen. And then COVID comes along. And, you know, if you think back at the beginning, many of us, me, thought, wow, we could die from this. This could be like a plague that wipes everybody else right. out. And and we saw so many people in the hospital and we heard about deaths. So there are some really valid fears. But sometimes we are wired in a way that there are things that really just destroy our peace of mind. And, and there's no reason to be afraid of them if we are working toward our relationship with God, trusting God more, uh, we don't need to be afraid. So when people have a fear problem, um, you could say to them, well, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Right. Well, how helpful is that? I mean, <laughs> that's true, but, you know, that's like somebody, uh, their spouse gets killed in a car wreck, and you say to them, well, God works all things together for the good of those who love them. It's right. true. But that's not the truth you need to be saying. So if I can acknowledge that I'm full of fear, I can start to ask myself, why would I be one of those people, of all people, that would have some irrational fear? And if if I think about it and I get serious about it, I might be able to see that my childhood had a little bit to do with that, that maybe it was a whole attitude of scarcity. Well, I was being raised. You know, my wife, she went to bed hungry many, many nights. And so she had to work through that so that she wasn't worried about that anymore. So uh, if we have these fears and we can find the source, maybe we can come to a knowledge about that fear that sets us free from it. But also, the more I learn to trust God, And the more I learn what's standing in my way of total and complete surrender to God, the better I'm going to be, the more peace I'm going to have, and the more my thought life's going to work for me rather than against me. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Steve Arterburn. He's the author of Every Believer's Thought Life, uh, a new book. You know, you mentioned that, and I think this is so interesting because I think that people in their own heads it's very hard for people to get out of their heads, right? That just yes. it holds us, you know, what's holding you back? It's probably you. You know, that's so often the thing, and it's fear. But Jesus says something, and you just said it, and it's in John eight thirty one and 32. Uh, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I think people resonate with that because they know they need to get set free. You know, what's the significance for that when we're feeling like we're held captive by our own thought life. Well, I think that that passage is so misunderstood because it's taken out of context. And Mm. the only part people quote often is the truth will set you free. Well, look at the whole passage. What it says is, if you hold to my teachings, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's living out the truth, not just memorizing a scripture. You can't just say, I'm going to memorize a chapter of the Bible, and that's going to create freedom. No, you got to live uh, what that chapter says if you want freedom. And I think a lot of people are afraid to live out something or move in a direction. And when we learn to do things afraid, 
And that really is the answer. You can't learn to, to fly without fear uh, by just looking at a simulator. You have to go <laughs> and learn some things and meet the pilot and know that he is a lot more concerned about that plane not crashing than I am. And, and then I have to look at statistics and things. So I can come to grips with the reality and the irrationality of my fear. And when I start to look at that, at me versus you or things in the world that might hurt, I can do some things afraid that if I do them enough, I'm not afraid anymore. And, you know, the best thing you could do if you're fear-based is uncomfortably join a group, like a Bible study, men's group, women's group. You're going to be uncomfortable if you're fear-based, but you go afraid, and you're going to be shocked that over time how grateful you're going to be that you did the thing that was so uncomfortable to do. I think taking that first step for people is maybe the hardest, but once you do it, you find out it wasn't that bad. Right. Um, I know I have a men's group that meets at my office on Mondays, and I'm not a big men's group guy. Um, but once we did it, you know, it's just one of the favorite parts of my week. And, uh, of course, I go to a lot of different things, recovery meetings and things. But you you don't have to join a self-help group or anything. You can go be part of a choir or an uh-huh. orchestra. But it's a group of other people that you're connecting with. Because isolation really does fuel a thought life that can destroy us. And it's when we get out of ourselves and into other people that our thought life doesn't tend to mess us up so much because we're focused on other things than self-obsession. Yeah, that's right. It gives you something else to think about uh, and to do that's positive. Uh, Steve, do you have a, are you able to stay over through the break and we can talk more about your book? Sure. Happy to. All right. I'd like to take a break. And then when we come back, Steve Arterburn will be with us. His book is called Every Believer's Thought Life. And I want to tell you more about that because I think that this is a, it's a big deal for each one of us. Um, and we're all in different places. There's different things going on in our minds. But for the believer, we have an identity in Christ that can really help you move forward with what we know that God is calling us to do. So we'll talk about that as soon as we get back. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I will return as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. And my guest is Steve Arterburn, the author of a brand new book, brand new book is called Every Believer's Thought Life. We've been talking about our thought life. And if you have questions for Steve, if you'd like to call in right now, you can. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Steve, you you wrote this book about thought life, and uh, I am uh, intrigued by it because I think there is so much here. I think that people, as as a pastor for 25 years, um, and a person who's had a thought life for... uh, way too much longer than that. Yeah. You know, I I think that people need to discuss this. Well, I hope so, because, you know, uh, Romans 12, 2 is so uh, specific about our transformation. And it says, you know, mm-hmm. don't copy the world and then let God transform you 
by changing the way you think. So God wants to change the way we think. If we don't like our thought life, it's not God's fault. He wants to help us change. But we have to surrender to him and to his ways. And like you mentioned the world earlier, you know, if you copy this world, uh, you're going to be miserable at every turn. But when we start to look at God and, and praise God, pray to God, have worship music on in the background rather than other stuff, uh, maybe do some things like fasting to kind of reset and do some meditation uh, on God's truth. Maybe we even look at, well, if I'm consuming tons of sugar uh, and then two hours later I've got this depressed state, maybe it's <laughs> blood sugar. You know, if we look at different things that are impacting our thought life and we start to address them one at a time, we're going to end up in a better place because hopefully our motive is to grow closer to God, get the stuff that's a problem off of um, the playing field of our brain and move stuff in that is so good and wonderful and inspires us to be better people. That's going to be the goal. And you mentioned that, you know, God wants to help us do this. We don't do this by ourselves. We have supernatural help with the Holy Spirit, right? You're You're not called to become your own guru and figure yourself out all alone. No. And, you know, I was so fortunate years ago to uh, read a book that Bill Bright, uh, the founder of Campus Crusade, or Crew now, mm-hmm. uh, he wrote on the Holy Spirit. And one of the simple things that I took from that was he said, you know, before you start your day, before you go to a meeting, you, you, know, you know, or do something, write something, why don't you just, you know, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but why don't you ask the Holy Spirit who's within you to give you supernatural power, to make things happen that you can't do on your own. And I'll tell you, I've done that. And I've seen some things develop that I just don't think would have if I hadn't asked the Holy Spirit to help me and empower me. And so that's one of the strategies if we're struggling. When you struggle, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you some supernatural power. Now, often the supernatural nudge of the Holy Spirit is get with somebody that can right. help the two of you together can make it better if you can't do it on your own. I'm speaking with Steve Arterburn. He's the author of a new book, Every Believer's Thought Life. You can join our conversation now by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Steve, the subtitle of your book uh, is called Defeating Destructive Mental Patterns to Gain Victory Over Temptation. And, yes. you know, the the a lot of what happens in our, our thinking patterns is something that we're, our struggle with temptation, whatever we're being tempted to do, is, isn't it? It is. And, you know, uh, when you do things, you get criticized. When you write a book, somebody mm. thinks it's great. Somebody else <laughs> thinks it's horrible. You know, I wrote a book, Toxic Faith, and, and uh, it was, I was criticized because I was essentially challenging people's thoughts uh, about leadership in the church and not taking advantage of that. Mm. Uh, Fred Stoker and I, who wrote Every Man's Battle, we wrote a book about every man's marriage. That's a book about mutual submission, uh, this, which is what it says in Ephesians 5.21, submit yourselves one to another 
out of reverence for Christ. And people would rather have the dictator doormat, uh, which there's nothing in the Bible that promotes a dictator doormat marriage. But I got, you know, we got criticized for that. <clears throat> Fortunately, we were criticized for something that we felt like was godly. So I'm tempted to get all caught up in what people say or criticize or whatever, but I can fight that temptation. I never, ever want it to prevent me from doing something because, well, I might get criticized. But there are a lot of people that are stuck, and, you know, maybe they have a perfectionistic attitude, and they're not moving forward because they don't want to fail or they they think it might produce criticism because it's not perfect. But God can help you with that. But you have to want God's help, and you have to surrender to God's help for it to be something that changes your life. Yeah, people are paralyzed by criticism, by the idea that they might get criticized. You know, maybe next time on your next book, you can put your harshest critics on the book itself as the, uh, yeah. <laughs> on the back, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock used to put his critics' names on the tombstones in his movies. <laughs> I'll, I'll write the book, Why People Criticize Me. Right, no. and, then, um, and then put on the back yeah. cover all the harshest criticism you've ever got. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing that I always try to do, like in that case, is think, well, God's on their side. Why? Because God's on everyone's side. Mm. God is working on them to be better. And have I ever criticized people? Yes. So you can see you go down these godly paths of thought whenever you're tempted to get stuck in something that Satan and his minions just love you getting stuck in anything negative deadly that's where satan wants you and god is calling us to an existence of freedom and and a thought life that is pure and good and worthy yeah uh, and noble that's what we need to be going for and it may take you a while to get there but imagine a day when i look back on the day and it's just been full of delightful thoughts delightful victories over temptations, negative things, uh, that's that kind of day. Well, it's that thing of going from doing things that make me instantly feel good to doing things that make me feel good about myself long term. My guest is Steve Arterburn. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. Steve, where's the best place to get your, your new book uh, that is called Every Believer's Thought Life? Uh, defeating destructive mental patterns to gain victory over temptation. Where's the best place to get the book? Well, this month, a gift of any amount to New Life, and we send it to you. So that's a pretty good deal. And, uh, you know, that's at 1-800-NEW-LIFE. But it's everywhere, Amazon. You can get it on our website, newlife.com. And um, I I really think you're going to like it. Uh, Marcus is a New York Times bestselling author and has written so many books for great people and with great people and it's just an honor to have him and i don't think you're going to be disappointed in this one it is just full of biblical truth and a path to victory in an area that as we say affects every single area of your life yeah marcus brotherton is your co-author for this book and uh, that's who Mark is. So people can get it at newlife.com, and uh, you get it for free if uh, you give any amount. Is that right? Uh, well, yeah, you you give. Any, so any gift to New Life. <laughs> it's not free, right. I saying thank you for the gift. <laughs> yeah. And if you give to us, you're helping us transform 
people's lives. That's We're a right. transformation ministry. It's not. It's not free. It's like uh, buy one for the price of two and get one free. Right. It's a, um, hey, by the way, before you go, also, if you go to newlife.com, there's a uh, there's some events coming up and a couple of them right here in the Southland uh, Intimacy and Marriage, which is February 17th through 19th and uh, Restore yeah. February 24th through 26th. Can you just give me a, a quick nutshell about what those are and what people should know about them? Well, we've had people uh, we have a very huge success rate with folks that are wondering if they should even be married. Uh, at intimacy in marriage, uh, it's it's phenomenal. It's not just about hearing somebody talk; it's about hearing someone talk, going into a group and with like three or four other couples and dealing with the issues at hand. And then you go back into another group, and the combination it is incredible. When somebody has told me they want a divorce, I will say to them, "Well, you know, it sounds like to me you have grounds for divorce. You're justified." But before you do, be able to say you've done everything to save your marriage. And every person that's ever gone in that situation, no divorce. And, in fact, they've found the marriage that they didn't think possible. So you can come to that. Restorers is for women who have been hurt by a man's lack of sexual integrity. We do so many things for women. You know, we just I have a special calling to help uh, women and restore women and so uh, if you're a woman, we have so many things, including a brand-new movement called Lumina. It's a partnership with uh, Museum of the Bible, and uh, we're doing events with them. And it's a truth movement where women rise. We're excited about that. But go to newlife.com or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE, and uh, we'll help you however we can. And uh, Steve, I appreciate that. You know what? Uh, Thought Life has a lot to do with uh, the things that you teach in these uh, conferences also. It matters a lot. And uh, so I think these things go together very, very well. Thank you for being with me today on Southern California Live. Well, thank you. And I just appreciate what you do, and you do it so well. So keep up the great things that you're doing. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate it very, very much. My guest has been Steve Arterburn, and uh, Steve is the co-author of Every Believer's Thought Life, uh, Defeating Destructive Mental Patterns to Gain Victory Over Temptation, a new book. I encourage you to get it. Go to newlife.com to learn more about this book. To get this book, you can also check out the conferences that he was talking about uh, for your marriage or for different things you're experiencing. There are other conferences as well. New New Life is a great ministry, and uh, check it out. Uh, Steve, once again, thanks for being with me. And uh, everybody, when we come back, we'll keep talking about your thought life. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow. We're talking about uh, inner thoughts, and our guest was Steve Arterburn uh, beforehand. If you're listening, you know, you can always go back and get our podcast and check it out. I do think this is a a very important topic. You know, and talking about people's fear of, of criticism or fear of not being perfect? Do you suffer from that? Uh, how have you gotten past it? 
you know, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. There's all kinds of things. I remember years ago, I started a business and I remember walking around in downtown San Diego, going to the various offices to do the paperwork and get the sales license and the, all of these different things. And I remember thinking how cool it was that I actually started a business and also how easy it was. And it, you know, I wasn't afraid, but it did seem kind of overwhelming. It did seem like there are so many steps. And I wonder how many people just don't go out and do things and don't take risks because they're afraid uh, and usually afraid the, of things that aren't real. You know, sometimes there's there's genuine, you know, a genuine possibility of harm coming your way and criticism is hard to deal with. And yet, uh, you can't probably do anything significant or affect change without facing some kind of criticism. And But once you go through that, once you receive the criticism, and if it was mean or maybe it was accurate and you could have done better at something, you get through that. Once you realize that, and once you take the step out to do it, you realize that, you know what, it's just a part of it. It's a part of it, and if people are criticizing, you can just take it as, hey, this will help me get better. And it'll either help me get better to just be able to weigh criticism in a way that doesn't weigh me down or put me full of fear, uh, or sometimes the criticism is correct. You can just apply it to yourself. And the, if the criticism was mean, you just have to learn to filter out the mean stuff and go, yeah, but this one part is they do have a point. And, you know, you grow. That was another good point of that is to grow. Our, our thought life, it matters a lot. And I think you do have to make it a priority. In the book of Proverbs, there's actually a whole lot about that because in, in part of what's in Steve Arterburn's book is, uh, I don't know if he got this out of Proverbs, but he's right about it, is that you deal with your thought life by also focusing on wisdom, on doing not just what is right or what is correct or what's the best way to do something, but what is the wise thing to do? And when you're focusing on what is wise, things get a whole lot better. See, the, your, your thought life, and maybe you don't think about it, I don't know. And maybe if you're a woman, you think about this a little bit more. My wife, I think, would resonate really well with this conversation when we when we talk about it. She knows what this means. Some of my guy friends, I think we know, but we don't want to we, we want to pretend that we don't have these conversations. And it is true that, guys, we can sort of just put on a football game and and become that TV. We like we we don't just watch TV. We become the television. And we can block things out for a while and we can categorize and do all of that, but we still think about it. And there are times when our thought life uh, is is so much. In, in the proverb, Proverbs eighteen fourteen, it says, a man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? You know, if you've ever had a crushed spirit where you are just so disappointed or things just didn't work out, it's hard to bear that. Um, but when your spirit is right, when you are, are focused on the Lord, when you can realize that your joy doesn't come from your own success, it comes from knowing your creator, you get through those, those different things. It is something interesting, too, when you think about uh, the way we are told to, to deal with things, the difficulties that we have as individuals or even as the church. Uh, whether it's persecution or families are broken apart, uh, different things. You know, what's something really interesting, if you pay close attention, a lot of the instruction and the prayers that are in the Scripture are not so much about the evil circumstances that you might be going through. 
Um, but it has more to do with your spirit, how you're dealing with it in your heart. Ephesians chapter 3, 16, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That is so huge right there. Notice it doesn't say, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he will buy you everything you need. He will pay your bills. He will destroy your enemies, and you will have victory and praise from everyone you know. You will break the world record in likes on your Instagram photo. It doesn't say that. It says that he wants to strengthen you. He prays that you are strengthened with power through the Spirit of God in your inner being, that inner conversation. Why? So that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. And, you know, that is such a—maybe you haven't realized it a lot, but if your life is broken or you're struggling and you've made some mistakes or you've gone through some hard times, if your spirit is strong with the Lord, you move out into the world in strength and you get through it. But if— you know, you might have things just fine in your life, but if you have a broken spirit on the inside, you move out into the world in, in weakness. That's what the Scripture teaches. There is something about this inner conversation that we have that matters a lot, and it's, it's complicated, okay? The Bible's understanding of human nature and who we are um, is more nuanced than any other view of human nature, more than any counseling model out there. The, bottle is, the Bible is going to really speak to everything you're going through. That's why we should know it. And it is complex. There's a complexity of the inner life. We're all a little bit different. Some of it's physical, right? Proverbs 14, 30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You know, if you're dealing with envy, envy, it's sort of like a a hot feeling of passion. It, It can mean anger or bitterness or fear or just extreme jealousy. Do you go through that? Do you deal with that with other people where you just can't stand it when somebody else gets something that you didn't get? Um, the Bible talks about that. And, you know, a heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You know, if you are just struggling with jealousy or the things that other people get or the bitterness that you carry along with you sometimes, it affects you physically. It really does. Your thought life changes how you are physically. But if you focus on the Lord, And you realize that there are much greater priorities and much better things that you can do. It actually heals your body. Your body does better. I mean, it's incredible when you think about how powerful thought life is and how important this is. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. You know, all of us need an outside word of kindness. This is why one of the spiritual gifts you have is kindness, that The Holy Spirit is trying to make you kind, and part of it is because you have the ability through the Spirit of God to be kind to other people, and it does two things. It it makes them stronger. It helps them with their anxiety. They know that they've got a friend. They know that they are alone. They know that people see them. They know that the Lord sees them through you and your kindness. That's one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit wants us to be kind. It also gives you something to do. I read recently in a study that said, it wasn't a Christian study, it was just a psychological study, but I think it's right, that when we're dealing with depression, one of the best ways out of it is to go out and do kind things for other people. And the study didn't mean to be biblical, but I believe that is. It does something. I think that's why it is a spiritual gift. Um Sometimes we're just dealing with sin and things in our life. Proverbs 28, 1, the wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. 
you know, sometimes our inner thought life, we're dealing with conscience, we're dealing with guilt, we're dealing with that kind of stuff. Uh, the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know what it means to be righteous? It means that you're right with God. And you become right with God, not by living a perfect life, but by confessing your sins to Christ, by realizing that he died for your sins, that he's paid the guilt that you have, the thing that's wrecking your conscience. When you are right with God, he's going to direct you. Maybe there's somebody that you need to confess to. Maybe there's somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe there's some kind of amends that you need to make. When you're with the Lord, you go do that. And you become bold as a lion. And this is it's just a an incredible, incredible thing to realize. So I would encourage you, you know, take some time to think about what it is you're thinking about. And, you know, for some of you, you're real good at that because you pay attention to what you're thinking about. Maybe you journal. Some people, that's a really good thing. I've never gotten into it, the journaling thing. But I've had people work for me who are incredible journalers. And they get up every day and they just journal their thoughts. I've had men and women who do this. And uh, they say that it just sets their day in the right direction because they can take their thoughts, they can write down what the, what it is that they are concerned about. Now, I, I don't do this on paper. I do this when I go for a walk. You know, when I go for a walk and I'm just kind of by myself, I can take the, my thoughts and pray over them to try to figure out what it is that's bugging me if something's bugging me. Sometimes I don't know. You know, like sometimes I feel a little bit anxious, but I don't really know what's bothering me. I don't know if there's something wrong or if, you know, the pizza just wasn't very good. I don't know what it is. But when I take that walk and I pray, the Lord reveals it. And it's and it's something that when you take captive of that and you turn it over to Christ, like we were talking about in the last segment, it helps you grow. It really, really does. It helps you get over all kinds of things. And you can begin to heal that inner life. You can heal that conversation that is in there. Ultimately, you are directed towards the tree of life. Proverbs thirteen twelve: hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You only see the tree of life, I think, three times in Scripture. It's in Genesis, it's in Revelation, but it's also here in Proverbs. And the tree of life is one of eternal life, and it's something that you, you seek out in this way that is promised to you through Christ. Life everlasting, the promise of God, that whatever it is that goes on in your life, whether it's super difficult or it might be really great, all of that, you will change for that tree of life. You really will. It's an amazing, amazing thing when you, when you grasp that. So I hope that helps your inner life. Uh, I want to encourage you, your inner thought life, the things that you think about. So uh, pay attention to that and grow and realize that you're not growing on your own. You don't need some guru or to become your own guru. You've got the Holy Spirit with you. That's the promise of God. I hope this is helpful for you. When we come back, we're going to talk about some issues in our country. And uh, we'll take your calls, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Don't go away for hour two as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.